Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to the Storytelling Lab, where we break down how to get to the heart of your story and the hearts of your audience to leave the greatest impact possible. And now here's your host, a filmmaker and competitive storyteller, Rain Bennett. What's up, my beautiful people? Welcome to another episode of the Storytelling Lab, where we break down the art and science of storytelling. This podcast is brought to you by Magnanimous Rentals, cameras, lenses, lights, and much more at the lowest rental rates online. Magnanimous Rentals, every order submitted at magrents.com, that's M-A-G-R-E-N-T-S.com, every order submitted receives a discount. Inexpensive production essentials ship right to your door, magrents.com, go Magnanimous. Listen, I have been working with Magnanimous Rentals for a couple of years. I cannot tell you how awesome it is for me to go on a production trip, which I travel at least once a month, and I pack my clothes in my bags, and I hop on my plane, and I land at my destination, I get to my Airbnb or my hotel, and boom, all my equipment is sitting there waiting for me, nicely packaged up, my camera, my lenses, tripods, lights, and I don't have to travel with expensive or heavy equipment, and it is just a breeze. Then when I'm done with my shoot, I pack it back into the boxes that it came in, Drop it off at UPS or FedEx on the way to the airport, and I am done. It's on its way back to Magnanimous Rentals. Super easy, super affordable. And also, if you have a business and you need to do a production in-house, but you can't justify buying a camera or buying a bunch of equipment, this is a great affordable alternative for you guys to rent equipment for the day or for the week so that you can do your production and then send it right back. Go check out what they got at magrents.com. Today, my guest is Evan Kidd, who is no longer a kid, like he was when I first met him, all fresh-faced, right out of college. I met him at my friend Camden's. Uh, She is in charge of the Triangle Filmmaking Community, um, and they have these networking events, and I met Evan, who was there, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and excited to talk to people, and I was over there being a weirdo in the corner. And found a couple of people that I used to know. Uh, I had just gotten back from, well, I lived in New York, and then I traveled for Raise Up, uh, the film that I made. And so I'd just gotten back, and I was like, all right, I, I got to get back in the community here because North Carolina had forgotten about me. And so I met him, and we we kind of hit it off. He had uh, he had a lot. We had a lot of similar interests. We liked the same kind of films, and you know, he was telling me about this film he wanted to do, and he was ambitious. And, tall and handsome and I hated him um (laughs) and I was actually supposed to work with him on this film that he did and I don't know what happened we talked about it in the podcast life happened and I wasn't able to I was still traveling quite a bit but he went out there and made a feature film and I was totally jealous of that and envious I was doing the same thing with a feature documentary so I'm proud of myself too I can say that but I'm really proud of Evan because that's not easy to do and he did it with not much in terms of resources, but he's charming, and he got a lot of people to donate and their time for either cheap or free, I'm sure. I don't know all the details. And they shot it over the course of a few weeks. It's called Son of Clowns. It's on Amazon, and it's a funny, great indie film, and I'm super proud of him. And so I know the struggles that he went through. It's a lot of the struggles that I go through, and a lot of the struggles that we will all go through trying to be storytellers and especially if we're doing it in the film or or video medium so i talked to him about how in the world do you find inspiration how do you keep going how do you actually make it happen what do you need like how much money do you need how many days do you need to shoot we just chopped it up and shared some war stories about making films and he's awesome he's doing a lot of great work a lot of good music videos you should you should check out son of clowns and check out some of his other work but listen 
I'm going to shut up and stop talking now so you guys can hear what Evan has to say. Check it out. We met a few years back. Uh, I don't know if the first time we met was at the Triangle Filmmaking thing. But I think it, it was. Might have been. Might have been. And we talked about a few things. And then you went to New Orleans? Yeah, Baton Rouge and New Orleans. Okay. So, yeah, so, from Raleigh originally. Yeah. You know, we met, uh, it's probably like 2014, somewhere around there. Um, and, and I was just getting out of college. I had just gone to ECU, got a film mm. degree and it was like out in the real world. So I was just trying to hustle and meet people and just, just see what video was going on uh, mm -hmm. in the triangle. And, you know, obviously that led me to, you know, the meetup where we mm, met right, right, and met a couple other folks. And then fast forward about a year, uh, June of 2015, I wrote this feature film script for uh, a film called son of clowns. And, I had no money, like you said, no resources, <laughs> right, right. and it was like a distinctively Raleigh, North Carolina story. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was set here, um, and I was like, it only makes sense to film it here. How are we going to do it? Right. And so, very I, you interested know, to hear that. That that's a whole. I mean, that could be a whole podcast. Yeah. But, well, I would definitely want to touch on some yeah. of that. Please continue, but um, but yeah. Yeah, I want to hit that for sure. For sure. Um, but yeah, you know, we made that for two grand, made it in 10 days. Mm. I mean, credit cards, sleepless nights, air mattresses, asking people, hey, can we crash at your house for four days and film there and sleep there? And, right. You know, it's basically just calling in all the favors I had. Of course. Um, and, and I always tell people, you know, everyone has like 10 people who they can call on in their life for mm. the most part that you, you know, you don't ask them every day for something, mm -hmm. but every five years or so you can, you can pull an ask. And, and, and like, no matter yeah. what the question is, mm -hmm. you know, I think I understand what you're trying to say is like, yeah. you know, I, your inner circle, right? People you can depend on. Yeah. So maybe there's a little Venn diagram and it's like, here's people I can depend on the filmmaking world. Here's people I can depend on. Like if I'm broke as hell and need money or whatever, <laughs> yeah. maybe there's overlap, there's, yeah. but I like the, that thought of like, and you don't want to ask from them yeah. all the time, yeah. but you know, like. When that time comes, yeah. you know, you can call on them. And, and people have a good sense of reading when it's important to you. Mm. And so, you know, if, if you're genuine in your ask and genuine mm. in what you're doing, people people can tell. People can say, you know, this isn't an everyday thing. This is a big deal for him or her. Can you say more about that? Like what, how, how do you get that across? Mm -hmm. Because we're often like, you know, posting our blogs and we're yeah. posting everything, you know, like when... We know when it's like important. Yeah. Maybe we ask too many times. So, so, so I have two questions for that. When do we know to pull those asks and those favors? Yeah. And how do we get them to know <laughs> that it's important? Yeah. I hear your point where you're like, if they're close to you, they'll, they'll yeah. know. But yeah. like, is there strategy in that? Yeah. And like how you ask? Yeah, a hundred percent. Okay. I let's... mean, the, the how is probably the biggest part. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you don't want to just roll up on someone and say, hey, love you, Uncle Tom, we're right. going to take over your house for a week. Thanks. You know, mm. you got to approach it saying, you know, this is a film script I've been writing for two years mm. and say why the story is important to you. Um, it's, it's almost like a job interview in a way. I mean, mm -hmm. you got to prepare, you got to know what you're going to say. Um, you know, for every relationship, it's going to be a little bit different. You know, maybe you have a rapport with Uncle Tom or Uncle Bob that you, you know, don't have with you know, your best friend or something or someone, you know, everyone's relationships different. Right. So think so, about how you can connect to that person. Yeah. Like what's going to resonate with them maybe. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I think the biggest thing is you just want to make sure that when you, when you are making something, leave it better than how you found it, you know, cl mm. clean up after yourself, all, mm. the, all those very little things that people, you right. Know, you're taught in like elementary school. Right. 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 You know, you, it, it just goes a long way. And it, if you do ever have to do it again, um, they'll, they'll hopefully help you out and remember you. So I like leave it, leave it better than you found it. That's, yeah. that's a good, that's solid yeah. advice right there for anything. Really. 100%. And also like helping people out. Mm. Um, you know, if your friend is trying to do a short over the weekend, um, and he's like, Hey man, can you help me hold the boom pole? Um, you may not want to do that. And that may not be your calling. Maybe you like directing or cinematography, but you know, fast forward a year, you might need to call on that same friend to do the same thing. So I think it's about paying it forward and just trying as hard as you can to do that. So And so how do you distinguish between like when it's time to really go for the that group? Yeah. When you have cuz we have needs every day, you know. Yeah. Like I said, like you may just want somebody to retweet something or go review your movie or something like right. that. But it's a little bit different ask than like, "Hey, can we shoot at your house for a week?" Yeah. right? Yeah. You know oh, what I mean? Definitely. So like you have to gauge it. How do you gauge that? Do you have some sort of like yeah. measurement where you're like, all right, got to call in the big guns. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because 
we talk about this a lot, my whole thing. And I know that you're, you're in this world too, mentally and psychologically of, of paying it forward and just living authentically and, you know, values first, as I mm -hmm. like to say. Um, and so we often, you know, tell, tell people to be vulnerable and, and know when to ask and, and yeah. stuff like that and not just be spammy, you know, but yeah. be honest about it. So do you have any sort of like gauge like that when you're like, how you when it's, yeah, like, yeah. How do you know when to, to ask those big favors? Yeah. Um, I think again, it sort of ties back to how you present yourself. I think today with, you know, Twitter and Instagram culture, we want to make every post look like it's our biggest thing. Good point. Um, which is obviously important because mm -hmm. you want to market yourself mm -hmm. effectively. I mean, I host a podcast and make films and I want everything to pop when I post it. Yep. Um, but at the same time, certain projects that I make are going to be bigger endeavors than others. And so I think it's important to not overwhelm people mm -hmm. because, you know, if, you know, I, I post a podcast, try to do it twice a month. And if every single time I post an episode, I'm messaging a hundred friends, mm -hmm. Hey, here's the new one. Check it out. Hey, here's the, it gets spammy. Right. So and what happens that. because of that? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you lower your brand. Yeah. And, and I mean, you, you kind of attach the, the spammy super caffeinated person <laughs> to your brand and mm -hmm. you may not want that. I mean, right. maybe you do, I don't know, but I don't think majority of people do. And so, and audiences don't respond well to that yeah. anymore. Like we're in this, people are hyper aware of things these days, and mm -hmm. they're sick of being sold to. That's that's another thing I'm telling people all oh, the yeah. time. Like, you can't come at them like that. You got to be, you know, back to that authenticity. Yeah. And like, they're sick of being sold to. Yeah. Well, I mean, authenticity is permeating through pretty much everything right now, from culture to politics to art to business. I mean, I feel so too. You know, people a lot of people would rather watch someone like their favorite artist do a, you know, 30 minute Instagram live Q and a, mm -hmm. than go watch, you know, Esquire's five minute interview. Great point. Because totally. it's coming from the heart. It's going to be mm -hmm. authentic. There's no editing. There's no cuts. A lot of what they say is going to be what they say. Mm -hmm. And so I think people, people have a filter that they can sort of look at that through and they can kind of determine what is legit and what isn't legit. Um, so when you shot you shot the film, you said you started working on it in 2015. Did yeah. you shoot it in 2016? Am I right? Uh, shot it summer June 2015. So wow, I've been writing been that long. Yeah, I remember been, when you I remember yeah. when you told me about. Like, yeah. I remember you saying I had this film. I think we were even talking about working yeah, on it. We were. Yeah. So I was trying to figure out when you shot it because there was something that. Uh, didn't allow me to do it. I don't yeah. know if you remember. I don't know if it was. I'm trying to line it up. If I if you I was traveling at the film, time, uh, raise I was up, finishing yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, if it was 2015, whew, that was a rough. That was a long rough time for yeah. me. Yeah. That, that that was a rough year. In 2016, I know I was traveling a lot, but I remember having that conversation. Yeah. With you. I had no idea. I thought it was like 16, 17. Time flies, man. Dude, I know. It's brutal. It, it's crazy. So um, I just want to say too, like. Uh, you're, what are you, about 24 now? Uh, 26. 20, so. Okay, time does fly. <laughs> Telling you, man. <laughs> I met you when you were like 22. Yeah, you probably did. Um, that's, a, that's actually, you said 2014. You're right on the money. You're better with it than I am. But, so I'm, I'm 36, so about 10 years in, uh, ahead of you. And I just really mm. want to say that I admire you for taking that step Thanks. at that Appreciate age. That. Because it's not easy. And it's still something that I like want to do. And yeah. so I really respect that Definitely. because... A lot of people talk about it. I was one of them that I wanted to do that when I was your age. And I did some great projects, mm -hmm. you know, but I didn't do that. And I think a lot of people find themselves in that situation where they, that voice in the back of their head saying like, you can do this, you want to do this, but mm -hmm. like they don't know how to take the steps yeah. or the mountain is too big to even know how to take that first step. Right. So what was it, what was it in you that just made you like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to shoot this feature. Take the leap. Yeah. I, th I think it was just uh, a frustration. I think it really came out of frustration. So I find that when I make big leaps in life, it comes out of either being in a low place or a frustrated place. Mm. Um, you know, at the time I had been out of college for about a year and every notion I had about the filmmaking industry sort of evaporated in a few months. So like what can you elaborate? Just, just the thought of like, hey, you write a script and you pitch it to people, and then suddenly some guy's knocking at your You're door. You're off and running, and then he's like, hey, my producer, she's got all this money and she wants to make your film. I mean, you know, there could be uh, a million ways you could cut that pie, but majority of it doesn't happen, and it, it especially doesn't happen. Um, you know, in the South, like you're not yeah. in New York, you're not in LA. You know, you have to make the industry and the culture 
for yourself a lot of times mm -hmm, and, and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in a way that leads to really cool experimentation, mm -hmm. um, which I've always embraced. But I think the biggest thing was just kind of understanding, okay, the Mark Duplass, he's a filmmaker I really like. He has a great quote, the cavalry is not coming. And he means oh, that, Yeah, I can hear him saying mm -hmm. that too. I knew you liked I, I knew you liked him. We've talked about it before, but yeah. I don't know if I've heard him, but I can hear he gave, his voice saying yeah. those those words. He yeah. gave this talk at South by Southwest. Okay. Um it's it was, on YouTube. I think I did yeah. see that. Yeah. I think yeah, it yeah. was like March or whatever South by okay. Happens of twenty fifteen. Yeah, yeah. And and it was one of the biggest catalysts to getting mm. me to go for it that summer. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of huge for everything because during that it wasn't ten years. I started making raise up started it like 2012 yeah it's a five-year process for me but before that i was in that world of like needing other people to make facilitate right. projects and make them happen and thinking something would happen and then finally i was just like all right if i'm if i'm gonna if anything's gonna happen i gotta make this shit sure. happen basically yeah. so that's why i say like i, I admire that so much that you kind of hit that point sooner you right. know because i think most of the time we need to hit that point and that's kind of what i wanted to talk about too and now i want to like talk a little bit more about that actual like making of the film because oftentimes people again are so overwhelmed by that mountain they don't know like how do I even make a film I don't have I mean in the documentary world which I mostly exist in I've done some narrative work too you know a, re a real documentary is that's several hundred thousand dollars yeah. you know to make that now you and I know that we can take you know nothing <laughs> yeah. and go make a great yeah. story but most people, especially doing a narrative, they're like, even if they're talking indie, they're like, well, I don't have one to $10 million or, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, and I don't know where to even start to get it. So they're like, I guess I'm just going to like leave that script on the shelf and never do it. Yeah. So how did you even start? Like, where did you start? With Son of Clowns specifically, I think I embrace the fact that there's no lasers, no, you know, robots, no aliens, no special effects. So simple. 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 I mean, really boiling down the script to a handful of characters, mm -hmm. a handful of locations, mm -hmm. and, and really challenging myself to make Hudson, the main character, someone that people would care about. Mm. Um, and if I ever found when I was reading the script or writing the script that I didn't care so much for what Hudson was doing in a scene, I know nobody else is going to care. Right. Because if so, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you, yeah. You're yeah. more invested in your audience is going to be. I mean, right. That's your, that's your baby. And that's always yeah. going to yeah. be the case. Yeah, so I always, I mean, when you make something, quick sidebar, it's like if you're not into it, you know, times it by three, that's how much not into it the audience will probably mm. be. Um, that's a good point, especially for a lot of people that listen to this, because a lot of times people think that what's important to them is yeah. going to be important to everyone else or what resonates with them or they think is like, mm -hmm. you know, will resonate will definitely with other people. Yeah. That's a big thing that I preach is like, it ain't about you. Yeah. <laughs> you it's know? not. It's no. about them. Yeah. You know? And any business person will tell you that it's like, you know, most successful people, if they're selling something, they're not selling something they want to sell. They're selling something that people want to buy, you know, and, and you have to make that adjustment. Sometimes, you know, Steve Jobs would say people don't know, yeah. you know, what they need yet. You kind of got to show them, but, um, that's something that people struggle to mm -hmm. deal with. Like, stop looking at it completely from your perspective yeah. only, you know? So I love that point. If it's not, if it's not interesting to you or you're not vibing with what he's doing. Yeah then it's definitely not going to resonate with them. You got to think about the audience at all times. Absolutely. And um, when we actually made the film too, you know, we shot it in 10 production days. It was a you know, wow. very fast and grueling schedule, especially for a And feature. it was feature, so it was like 90 minutes. The original cut was two hours. Yeah, and, right, right. and then I, it, like you said, or like we were just saying, um, you know, I showed it to a couple people. They were like, wow, this is really long. And then I took a month off from it. And I looked at it and I was like, wow, this is way too long. And so, you know, I had to pare down about 30 minutes out of that film. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was the first film. And so I always tell people, like, when you make your first film, you feel like you have to put everything into it because you have to prove yourself. And people say, you know, this is my mark. Your first film should be super simple. Like, mm. you know, I don't always go back and watch my favorite director's first film. So I think people put all this unrealistic expectation on themselves for that. Yeah, I'm that's what I did, yeah. you know? That's what I did. Because you, you feel at, like you have to prove something. Right. Or you'll be gauging yourself on, like, the directors who were that kind of yeah. prodigy or, like, their first yeah. film was a hit. And you're like... And, and you don't know 
any of the circumstances yeah. that might have led up to that. Absolutely. You just see the the results, right? right? You don't know that person could have started making films. So they were 10. Yeah. So even though they're 26, they've had 16 years of experience. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's a good point not to, not to go back to that for, for better or for worse. Like if their movies aren't that great or yeah. if their movies were, you know, jump off. Success. Well, something that I think, yeah, absolutely translates through that to, you know, not only filmmaking, but business and anything else is uh, with the kind of democratization of, you know, tools and media and yes. cameras and everything. It's so easy. I mean, it's not easy, but it's easier Mm -hmm. to make stuff now or start a business now than it was um, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Right. Um, you know, obviously you still have to work, but I think it's important to adjust your expectations to those rising tides mm -hmm. because when you make your first feature film, I, like many before me, I thought, wow, this, if it doesn't get in all the festivals, it's a flop. If it doesn't do this, it's a flop. And we played some great festivals. We cracked Kukaloris Film Festival, which was like one of my favorites growing mm -hmm. up. Yeah. It really inspired me as a kid. So, I mean, that just was a personal yeah. achievement. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, there was no Sundance. There was no South By. There was no Tribeca. I mean, you know, and that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. And, and not every film needs to play that. And so I think you just need to get your film to the audiences that need to see it, but also understand that, you know, 10, 15 years ago, Director's Calling Cards was a really quality short film. Mm -hmm. Now I think Director's quali uh, Calling Cards is a really quality, you know, low budget indie feature that they made in their backyard for two, three thousand dollars over the course of a couple weekends with some friends then you can start to you know row that boat a little more out to sea mm -hmm. but i think people expect just because it's the feature the asteroid has to have a giant impact yeah and well there's something i've been studying so much about and a lot most business is shifting this way it's like it's not about the breadth it's about the depth right and the yeah. deeper impact with a smaller group you know mm -hmm. your tribe as they say or um kevin kelly's piece about a thousand true fans i don't know if you read that but, yeah. but check that out if you haven't because people think that they need a million fans. It's like, no, if you have yeah. a small loyal group, which we kind of already talked about, mm -hmm. right? Those are the people that are going to like lift you up and, and let you be able to do what you want to do. And it'll grow with time, but it's like, it's not about mm -hmm. reaching as many people as possible. It's yeah. about affecting the people, you know, yeah. impacting them in the, in the biggest way. Um, and I think that's interesting with film because there are a million more films now, yeah. you know? So it's a, it's more, it's rarer now for that Sundance hit to pop off. Yeah. Um, than than it ever has before, and so I think it's about finding a a good film that finds its audience. You know, yeah. I, I read an article the other day about the the what that was the title of it, but about the Sundance like you know, um, star the mm -hmm. you know that, that that the unexpected you know star that comes out. It's like that person was never unexpected. They've been yeah. groomed for ten years oh, I by, read that. by the, yeah 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 I mean, exactly. yeah yeah yeah. yeah. I read it that. was so good. It's like that person like Sundance went to them to get that film. They've yeah. known about that film for three years. Like it's not some hidden gem that yeah. just went through the ranks. It's like so we're people like you and me are submitting to Sundance. Be like, is this going to be the one? Mm -hmm. And it's like, dude, the one that that popped off this year. They've yeah. been they've been grooming him. Sundance has been grooming him for five years. Yeah, and, and that Galler guy who did submit, I mean, they probably were rejected five or six times yeah. before. And people forget. They're like, oh, I didn't get it the first time. Mm -hmm. Oh, never again. You know, take my ball and go home. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's a, a mistake. You Big know? time. Because I think film festivals, when, when you don't get in and you, you know, apply multiple times, I think over time they may recognize you and say, wow, okay, this person's consistent. Mm -hmm. This film was very different than their last film. Still may not be what we're looking for, but I'm going to keep an eye on this person. And, and I think people discount that. Yeah, and and there's a key thing you said there. What we're looking for, like different festivals are looking for different things. And my journey with Raise Up was just like what we're talking about. Dude, I got rejected by everything. It's hard. It's hard. It's heartbreaking hard. at times because, you know, you fall in love with this project and it's like you equate it to like your self-worth and it's like each rejection is like, uh, I confirm that you're not good. And you spend a crap ton of money on and it you to, spend a shitload of money to feel bad. Exactly. <laughs> and then finally, like we yeah. got into um, the hip hop film festival in yeah. New York City of a, of, a, of a project that was birthed in Harlem out of hip hop culture. I'm like, oh, that's perfect. This is the perfect yeah. film. And that's indirectly not directly but that is what got it to the level where it was in we were able to license it and sell it to, to red bull awesome. and actually make some money back yeah. from it and then get get it in a position where it can be seen by the world yeah but there was 
I mean, I don't even know how many. I mean, of course, I went for Sundance, which is ridiculous now in hindsight, but also went for a lot of other ones that were just like... You got to try. That, that were just like, no, no, yeah. no. And then you find the one, and then that gave it life. And so a lot of times, people are just... They're coming at it the wrong way. Sure. And I think it's similar to whether you're just making a, a little video, too. It's Absolutely. a lot of trial and error. Not everything is going to work. And find out what resonates with your audience. Keep it simple. Yeah, dude. <laughs> you know? It's so critical. I yeah. mean, um, it sounds like with the Hip Hop Film Festival, you started to find your tribe. And you found totally. the people that cared. And, and it was amazing. Yeah. Like, we won Best of the Fest, you awesome. know, because we also did this Q&A that was about yeah. health and hip hop. And, like, it was the impact we had on the festival was profound yeah and everyone who attended there was affected by it and everyone who was in the movie who had used to bicker with each other because there's a lot of like just you know ego involved it's right. just like hip hop it's just like hip hop you know all these people like broke bread together and it was this like beautiful moment that hadn't existed yeah. i had been documenting the beefs and stuff like that yeah. and then it was just this beautiful they came moment. together for yeah it. It totally it, it found its place you that's know? i mean that's a big deal i a couple weeks ago on my podcast i had a good friend of mine uh alex Aff. he's a hip-hop artist here in durham shout out alex check out his work <laughs> uh he's really great but we were having this conversation that was really similar and we pretty much came to the conclusion that if you point to someone on the street as you're walking by and say, that's my audience, that's my audience, that's my audience. Mm. If you have the mentality of saying every person passing by is a potential audience member, it's a great optimistic outlook, but mm. I think it's the wrong way to go about it. Okay. Because I don't think everyone on the street walking by is your audience. And if you take such a broad net to it you're not going to catch what you're looking for. Um, you need to do what you did, which is go to the festivals where they have people that already care about that stuff what if we flip that and turn it into a question where yeah. every person we walk past in the street we say is that my audience mm -hmm. you know so we're observing we're seeing is like mm -hmm. because oftentimes you know learning who you are is so much about learning who you are not absolutely and this at 35 36 years old is just coming into clarity in my mind, in my life, in just the past few years. Because when we're young, we're starting out, I was like, well, I want to do that. I want to produce this movie and I want to be a screenwriter and I want to be this. And I still struggle from that a lot because I have a lot of interest. But then I've really been getting clear on who I am and who I am not and what projects I'm that aren't right mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. And turning stuff down because it's like, no, that's not really part of like my mission or my vision. So I think that you could look at those people and say, I do that a lot. I've had opportunities yeah. come across that five years ago, especially 10 years ago. I'd have been like, yeah, yes, please, you know, whatever right. I can do. But now I'm like, no, thanks. You'd be better off working with my friend so-and-so. He is amazing at that. That's a big moment. That's a big moment because I'll give you a perfect example. Um... I've done a few mu music videos in my career and uh, a few that I'm really proud of and, and other, and it's fun. I love doing it. I'm a huge fan of music. We know a lot of the yeah. same musicians and I just love doing it. I love, I'm a fan too, you know, and I get, you know, my little imposter syndrome will creep up and I get uh, envious sometimes because I have friends that are like, uh, we, <laughs> a lot of them are the same people who are amazing, yeah. like cinematographers and uh, are doing dope projects and I'm not that technical of a filmmaker. Right. I'm big on storytelling. I'm a good producer and trying to be a great director, but like I'm kind of that bigger picture, but, and I can shoot and I can edit even though I hate it, but it's pretty much the same when thing. I have people who can, when I have a budget or people yeah. who can specialize in those areas, like I want like someone sure. who's put on this earth to be a cinematographer, but I see that what the stuff they're doing and I'm yeah. like, for the longest time, I was like, oh, I want to be doing a music video, blah, blah, blah. And then I stopped back when I did a lot of self-work in 2015 and 16 and just like opening up my own curtains and looking inside. And it was like, it's not even really where I want to take. I don't have some dream of being this big music video director. I'd never have. Yeah. I'm just kind of seeing stuff out there and I think it would be fun, but it's yeah. not like. I, when I really search my souls, like that's not really what I want to be doing. I want to be telling heartfelt stories that impact people. And when I did music videos, yeah. I tried to to do that, but it was never. I want to do these dope visual things. Yeah. That wasn't my steez because I'm not a cinematographer by nature. And so when I, I now I get people all the time, they ask me, and I'm mm -hmm. like, no, I can't do that for you. But I know some dope yeah. music video directors who that's what they were put on this earth to do and you should work with them and I'll make a connect and maybe you'll get a discount. Absolutely. And, and it depends what you want to do. Um, I, the most work I've probably done just chronologically and numerically has been music videos. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of music videos. And for me, 
I look at a music video totally different than I do, you know, a documentary or a feature film mm -hmm. or anything like that. Um, it's a time for experimentation. It's a time to really mm -hmm. nail down. What do you want? Do you want performance or do you want, right. you know, visual flair? Um, you did the one with Cooley High and the GoPros a couple yeah, years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was so simple, but I love that. Man. That's my, like, my Steve. It was yeah, dope. Yeah. Like, no, I remember Thanks, when you I dropped that. It. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And I mean, it was cool. And like, it, it, it proves it's kind of the same mentality where I approach music videos is like, you don't have to have, you know, a, a big agent in Hollywood. You don't have to have, uh, you know, a whole studio with green screens. You can do it how you want it. My favorite way to shoot a music video is in the field because mm -hmm. it's how I do films anyway. Definitely. You know, documentary background, narrative background. Yep. That all bleeds in. And so me doing a bunch of music videos and for a while I just said yes to everything. And now I yep. kind of, you know, will screen the content as mm -hmm. a, what I want, what I want to be known for. Um, but I built up like close to 15, 20 music videos. Damn. And over time that led me to working with a couple of folks. I worked with Rostrum Records for a few music videos from my friend Caleb Brown in Louisiana. And, you know, he got signed to them and we had a little bit bigger of a budget. We got more stuff done, but that would not have happened if I didn't, you know, do the body work that I did prior to that. Mm -hmm. And it was just, mm -hmm. you know, asking my friends on a weekend, you know, my friends who did hip hop, my friends who did metal, like, can I film one for your band? Let yeah. me just do it. Yeah, Cause it was awesome. fun, yeah. you know? And like, I, I'm a drummer and I don't get to play as much as I'd like that's to. Cool. Yeah. And it's a way for me to sort of plug back yeah. into music. So I would just say, you know, with music videos, um, it's a great place to experiment too. And even with yeah. that, know what type of music video yeah. director you, you want to be. be. You can't be them all. No. And, and I learned that cause right. I, I tried to do, um, you know, no disrespect to country music. It's not really my cup of tea. I tried right. to do one mm -hmm. and it just felt totally and you can't, off. You can't like, bring the same energy that no, you do hip hop. <laughs> no. And, and so I, I, you know, indie rock and hip hop were like the two music videos that I knew I could do well. Yeah, yeah. And everything else I sort of said, you know, if the right song and the right thing, sure, I'll, you know, consider it, but mm -hmm. I'm not diving in trying to knock down that door. So, uh, so speaking of music videos and the hip hop music festival, uh, my buddy Ned DP'd yeah. your, uh, your, your movie Son of Clowns and I met him the next year after we won Best of the Fest yeah. I was up there giving like a already giving a master class uh, but like you know do, doing a workshop and um, and just kind of being the reigning champ and just sure. like you know strutting yeah. around and uh, that's when North CAC video yeah. was submitted to that so video. I met George and Salim and Ned all the same day up in Harlem at the, yeah. at the festival because they won best music video that year. And I was just, you know, of course that, that had already, that music video had already made the rounds, but that's when I met uh, yeah. all, all those guys. And it was just like, yo, Durham is up yeah, here representing in Harlem, man. It was awesome. I was the previous winner. They had won that, that year. That was super fun. But uh, did you, when did you meet Ned? Yeah. So I met Ned, uh, about a month or two before we started Son of Clowns. And I met okay. him through Bradley Bethel, okay, who yeah. uh, would be my producer for that gotcha, film. Gotcha. And they had worked together on his film about the UNC scandal a couple years before that, mm. a year or two before that. Um, and so we were looking for a DP for the film. Gotcha. And Bradley was like, you got to talk to Ned. He's, he's dope. You need to meet him, see if you guys would hit it off. And, you know, we got a coffee, we talked, and we had pretty similar ideas and interests. And he's and awesome, yeah. He's great, yeah. And so, um, you know, he, he approached the the DP work in a, in a very similar way to what I do because I do a lot of DP work myself. Like what? Um, primarily in my documentaries and I also do a lot of my music videos. How, how is his approach, approach similar? Yeah. So his approach I think is very visual. I mean, he's a much better DP, but you know, he's, good. he's very good, much better than I am. But like his approach is very visual, very hands-on. Mm -hmm. He's not afraid to try something. Mm -hmm. He can work without a exact storyboard and shot list, but you it's know, and, and unfortunately I'm very scatterbrained where I don't always have that i have an outline right but it's it's very rough i mean it looks yeah. like chicken scratch and he can interpret that and I, that's it's so huge on a set or any collaborative yeah. uh effort yeah. right is is being able to work with somebody who can, like can work with you yeah I, I i need that too and if you worked with one of those dps that's just like by the book you know has yeah. to have everything laid out like i need somebody that can be able to flow yeah so that's huge and tell you sometimes when your idea isn't working right or suggest something yes. like i have to we talk about this all the time Absolutely. i have to have someone who is has an opinion and is proactive it doesn't matter if it's my business or i'm doing a creative project like i want input like you guys are all here yeah, for because a reason. i value your opinion you know i'm not ever gonna be i don't care if i was actually 
really making like proper films and doing it how I hope to be mm. doing it one day. Like I'm never going to be that dude just because I need, I mean, I'm, I don't think that I have all the answers or I certainly don't think that you might not have one too. Now I'm happy to always know that I have that executive decision, Sure, but I want that feedback. So I need some, that's awesome that Ned is like that. I haven't had the chance yeah. to work with him, but I want to. Oh, he's great. And I hope to work with him tons more. You have again, right? Didn't you guys yeah. do a short recently? Um, well, we're, we've talked about doing a short okay. and I helped him uh, shoot on his documentary oh, short cool. called The Maestro, Okay, uh, which is about a uh, pro wrestler uh, who is now wrestling in Wilmington on like the local circuit and kind of what oh, that transition is like interesting. later in life. Was he, did he like and, hit a point of popularity and yeah, fame? Yeah, in like the 90s. Who he was, was big. Uh, Stro Maestro. Dang, I think that was after his, my... His name is Rob Kellum in real life, but that was his wrestling name. That's and he was also in Son of Clowns. So, uh, Oh, what's he the wrestler in Son of Clowns? Yeah, he was the oh, strong man in yeah, the circus. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But he had the belt. He had like yeah. a wrestling belt. So that was all that his. Was his he real, brought that. I was, I was yeah. wondering about that. Yeah, so that's like a real... I thought that stuff. was a prop. Yeah, no, no. And and that was what was great about him was he could, uh, you know, go back you find to resource him filmmaking. Um, through April Hartley, who was in my thesis short film for college mm. in Wilmington and she was just friends with him and he came out to support her when we did the screening of that film and she was like hey if you ever need a big wrestler strong guy in your film he acts and so we just linked up and then obviously Ned and him linked up from that so I mean it's just did all you connections put, did yeah you, that's, what, that's what I was gonna say did you put him in the film after you met him yeah yeah, yeah. so it was about a year later mm -hmm. um that kind of goes that reminds me of like Almost wrote the role for him. Uh, right, honestly. that reminds me of like uh, uh, the Robert Rodriguez rule, where he's just like, look at what you have. What Absolutely. do you have available? Like yeah. when he's making El, El Mariachi, and he had like yeah. a ranch, a turtle, yeah. and like he's like, these things are gonna make it in the movie. Yeah, because I mean, when I wrote that, I was thinking, okay, it's a circus, strong man. Who do I know? Rob. And he's like, sure, easy, yeah. So, so can you tell me a little bit more about that? So, I, it's all about connections. Yeah, but you had two thousand bucks. And you had to cast and crew this film, which even though you kept it pretty simple, yeah. there's still a significant amount of cast in Absolutely. there. And I don't know what your crew was like, but how 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 did you go about that task knowing like right. I pretty much don't have money to pay anybody and I need at least 10 days from you guys, yeah. probably a lot more. A lot of pre-production. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's where you make your film really is, is making Planning. those plans. Yeah. Um, in regards to the budget, I mean, that money was basically filling up gas tanks for people, right. getting food for people. I basically just wanted to say like outside of time, I want to make it, you know, as easy as possible because I can't pay you. So give you gas money, give you, you know, food, this, that, place to sleep, you know, this, that, and third. Try to make it as easy as possible, mm -hmm. you know, cushion the blow a little bit. <laughs> so, you know, um, I think that's crucial if you're doing those asks. I mean, especially, yeah. you know, you could go about like, oh, well, you know, it's a favor, you know, whatever. But I think if you go the extra mile to do that, which really isn't going the extra mile. It's kind of the least you can do. Um, right, right. You know, just be, a I think it person. helps. Yeah. yeah. And, and people remember that stuff because, Definitely. you know, you know, Ned helped me on my feature. I helped him out on his short. Right. If um, you were like a jerk to work with, yeah, that's we probably a whole different wouldn't scenario. do that again. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, I mean, the, the biggest, I think compliment is if you get asked back or if they want to work with you after that kind mm -hmm. of a situation. So, so the, so the money just, but basically went to, all yeah. the things you had to absolutely pay yeah for. yeah and like props this and that and um, and um my dad like built the swing set prop in the circus scene where he was like cool. holding that you know so like and obviously my dad did that for free so um, you know just asking people for favors really was the choice was the choice to shoot i think pretty much all of it was handheld right most all or of it yeah most of it yeah yeah was the choice to do that a financial one and a time one or was yeah. it aesthetics it was both yeah um i i like that look mm -hmm. personally i think as i get older um i'm starting to gravitate more to tripod but i think How even uh, you know I, I like the intentional nature of it you mm -hmm. know because i think a lot of times you can just say yeah we'll we'll do this and we'll find it you know, and I come from a good word. documentary, so that's a lot of that. Right. Me too. Me too. Yeah. So uh, that run and gun, I'm, I'm very comfortable in that yeah. environment, but I like that word intentional, right? Which goes back to everything we're saying is like, keep it simple, yeah. but you got to be planned and know, and know what you're going to do. And a lot of things, uh, 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 what I talk about a lot is like, you got, and why? Why yeah. are you doing it? What I try to do if I'm doing workshops or stuff like that and talking to people is like in storytelling or filmmaking or, or really anything, like, 
why are you choosing making that decision? It should yeah. never just be, I just shot it like that. Yeah. Like, why are you on a wide shot right now? Why yeah. are you handheld? You know what I mean? What is what what's the reason? Now it doesn't mean yeah. it always has to be some profound, like abstract reason. You know, it could just be like, well, we don't have a lot of time to set up the sticks or we're trying to keep it low-key yeah. gorilla style. You know, but there should be a reason behind Absolutely. the action, I think. Yeah. Right? And I mean, I think it's uh to your point, you know, you have to know what you're doing. You mm -hmm. have, I mean, especially if you're the director, mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you do want to be fluid and you do want to say, you know, Hey DP, tell me what you think. But at the same time, if you're running the ship, you need to run the ship. And I think a lot of times what people do in indie films is they kind of say, yeah, what do, I mean, it's whatever. We'll just whatever, the, totally. you know, <laughs> totally. and, and, and a lot of that is time and, you know, you may not have time, but I think people appreciate if you know what you're doing, because the last thing you want to do is jump into a project with someone who they have no idea what they're doing. That I love that because it goes back to being the least you can do, right? If these people are helping you out, like, have the least plan. you could do is have plan and not because now you're wasting their time, right? right? Like you're asking this of them and you're like, uh, well, they're mm -hmm. like, all right, well, what are we doing next, boss? And you're like, I don't know, Ned, like, what do you think? What do you yeah. think we should shoot? Yeah. And it's like, you all right, dude, you're not that. paying me. You're giving me pizza for dinner. Like the least yeah. you can do is like have done your homework or your pre-work. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and I mean, one of the things too, when we were filming scenes for Son of Clowns, there were, you know, we, we didn't go over all the time, but we went over like one or two shoot days and it would be like two in the morning and mm -hmm. we'd be filming. And mm -hmm. I mean, you know, everyone was tired. The actors were tired. I was tired. I mean, but we were, we were troopers. And, um, at a certain point, like I knew we had a scene, but we didn't have all the coverage, but I knew that we had it. Mm -hmm. And I said, let's just cut it here. It's fine. We've got it. And like, just, just being able to say like, enough is enough when it yeah. is enough and not because i think it's you have the ocd part of a filmmaker's brain where mm -hmm. you want coverage you want yeah. every then, angle mm -hmm. you know and there's a thin line between being that diligent director that yeah. does what needs to be done to get the shot because yeah. that's important at times or being that just compassionate person it's like we've got the coverage anything yeah. else would be, I'd just be being yeah. a jerk about it yeah. And that reminds me of your initial point about asking for help. It's like yeah. knowing knowing where that line is and when it's time. Yeah, um, that's it, huge. And that line moves a little bit. The, for sure, the goalposts will move depending on what you're paying people, what you're not paying people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and if you, if you're fully budgeted, then yeah. that line definitely moves. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, look, we're going for one more hour. Yeah. You'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. Like you're, you're getting paid well. Yeah. And, and, and most, great crafty over there. Yeah, like, you yeah, know, we still different... got coffee. That's hot. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, it's a different animal that way. Yeah. Did you, uh, do you watch this show on Netflix called love? It's the Judd. Oh uh, yeah. I've seen every do episode. You do you remember yeah. when Gus had that moment where yes. he was directing and he was like, we got to get the shot. And he yeah. did not. Cause everybody had packed up. You know, I love that. And, mm -hmm. but he did it and was like, look guys, I'm sorry. And they were reluctant, mm -hmm. but they did, you yeah. know, and they did. That was a powerful the, moment. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, like everybody wants to see it succeed. Yeah. It's all about how you treat them. Right. Right. Cause if you do, I mean, and that scene was powerful because not so much what he was saying, but how he was saying it, mm -hmm. like he made a very intentional choice to, you know, say that in a way that inspired confidence, you know, and, and it wasn't guys, we need to get the shot because I'm trying to be Stanley Kubrick. It was, you know, I just need this shot because it's going to make us all look good. And I don't want to yeah. shortchange the work we've already done. Yeah. Big know? time. So what, what are some of the key takeaways that you learned from making the film that you use now in your work? Absolutely. You have a handful of those. You probably yeah. got a long list, but I like, mean, what's the ones that you notice? Like, yeah. I, I mean, there's a whole textbook in there, but, um, sure. you know, I, I think the biggest ones are, just just appreciating help when you have it because when you don't have it you'll notice mm. and um i think you know after making son of clowns another big thing i learned is it's not about me and the the way i mean that is i've gone from directing son of clowns to fast forward a few months PAing on someone's thing, um, mm. doing an assistant camera job, holding a boom pole. I'm not above that. Like people, people think once you direct your feature film, you have this, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just me, but like people think because you do that, you transform. It's like you level up or something. You're still the same person. Mm -hmm. You know, you just made a feature film. You've made a film that's a little bit longer. Like, I mean, you, you have to approach it in the same way where you, can do it again 
but you can also make another short. Like I think also people think sometimes once I make features, I'm done with shorts, never doing that again. Bye. And, and, and that's the wrong way to do it. Like mm-hmm. you just got to tell the story the best way you can. The, the, I had this, I have this documentary I'm working on now. Um, it's called run of the picture. And it's about a friend of mine, Johnny Dutch, who is a, a 400 meter hurdler. Mm. And he has one of the best times in the world, but he's been trying to make the Olympics since 2008 mm. and he's just barely missed it. And he also makes films. And so like, there's this crazy story wrapped up in there. Um, and for the longest time, you know, I've been shooting it since 2014 and I've, you know, usually just myself, one man band occasionally with help. And because of all that, I always thought, oh, this needs to be like a two hour film. I mean, this thing's <laughs> going to go, you know, it, there's so much. I mean, yeah, there's like 10, 20 terabytes of footage. Eish. I mean, and I had to make the choice recently to pare it down because mm. I was I was stretching it out for the sake of trying to justify right, the time. For what? For you. Right. And, for and you, the other people you, who helped, I felt this obligation. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, you well, helped. So, I don't want to cut your scene. Right. You know, like, yeah, that's a tough one. It's right? a tough one. But while we have it in our heads yeah. that... Um, it has to be this thing, this, yeah. this amount of time. Like, fortunately we're in this time, this, uh, era where there are no more limitations like that. Yeah. You can have an, a, a 57 minute film yeah, and it can play, you know what I'm saying? There we're is aiming like, like 35, 40 minutes on it. Now. Right. And, 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 and it's you, a better It can be project. any weird time yeah. because most of it's going to be streaming. Yeah. There's no like, you know, 90 minutes used to be like the feature, like that, the goalpost as yeah. you say. Right. But it's like. I had to learn that lesson on a raise up. It was like, you, I had that. I literally had that. Like what I wanted to be a feature it has to be 90 minutes. Yeah. And then it ended up being, I don't know, some weird, like 112 minutes or, yeah. or it wasn't that long. Uh, 80, 80, 82 or something yeah. like that, which I don't know why that, <laughs> that like I wanted it yeah. to be 90. There's really no, no. Well, and, and you also have to have good people around you to tell you when something needs to be shorter or needs to be longer or needs totally. to be whatever. Um, you know, I, I've made films about like social justice issues that I've really cared about, environmental issues, you know, marginalized groups and things like that. And I have felt obligations because of that to like tell every aspect of that story. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'd show the film to someone and they say, you're getting lost in the sauce. You need to really boil it mm. down to the the points that matter because if you want to impact the most people unfortunately it's 2018 people want to you know the day and age it is they need it short so the best advice i got was turning a 30 minute film into a seven minute film that's beautiful um what'd you say don't don't get lost in the sauce yeah i love that (laughs) that's dope yeah yeah man it's human nature people do it definitely and i like especially when you said you felt this obligation. I work with a lot of nonprofits and causes are important. Yeah. But if you're not getting it across simply in a narrative that people can, can follow and connect with, then you, you know, you're not respond. You're not, you're not going to reach that audience. You yeah. know, again, as we've said a bunch of times, it's not about you. Right. It's about them. Right. So what's, what's next? What are you working on now? So we're trying to wrap up uh, run of the picture, that documentary mm-hmm. I was telling mm-hmm. you about, um, that's hopefully going to be coming out in 2019. And what we're doing is totally different because, you know, we're, we're not going to do the traditional thing where we hit film festivals for a year, two years, and then try to, you know, figure it out. Um, we're going to be very intentional. We'll submit to a few that make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to try to really take the film and tour it. Uh, coming from a little bit of a music background, my dad's a guitarist in a band. Um, I have always seen touring as something that's interesting, but not a lot of filmmakers do because mm-hmm. it's hard. You have to get a projector. You have to do this, but I really want to find a way to like partner with theaters and tour this film, um, you know, and find a model that will work, mm-hmm. you know, and, and get it to the people that need to see it. Educational screenings, you know, Big things time. like that. There's so many outlets now. Yeah. This is something I learned with Raise Up because I, through that, I was fortunate to meet people that are involved yeah. in distribution and stuff like that. So I learned so much in that process. And again, Back to similar to like thinking it has to be 90 minutes or two sure. hours. Like we also think it has to be still like theatrically released yeah. or something like that. And it's like, no, it can go, you know, in libraries, it can go to yeah. colleges depending on the, you know, the, 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 the content, but there's so many different distribution models now. Yeah. And a lot of times we are still in this like old school mentality. It's like, dude, you have, you can reach your tribe. Yeah. As we keep talking about in a lot of, in a lot of creative ways nowadays. I love that idea. We did that with Raise Up yeah. uh, because nobody was going to do it for us. So I partnered with a the Fit Expo out of LA, and they have yeah. different ones all over the country. And we brought projectors. And I, this is what's tough, but I learned this from my mus- musician friends. 
sometimes we'd have, you know, 100 people in the audience. Sometimes we'd have uh, seven. And you got to put on the show the same the same way. You got to perform whether there's 2,000 people or two people in, mm -hmm. in the room, you know. And there were times where I was just like, I mean, there's like nobody here. Like, yeah. they probably were fine. Everybody's had a long day. Like, we'd probably go. And people would be like, no, like, I want to see the movie. They can. Like, yeah. and I put it up and yeah. it, like, would have one like a massive impact on one person that like led to something else, which right. is those connections. And you know, it's, it's all about that and kind of seizing that opportunity and back to what you said at the very beginning about like, you might need someone it's okay to hold a boom yeah. pole for somebody because you might need them later. It's like, don't reject these little bits of opportunity that mm. are out there. You know? I mean, and that's how you network. I mean, it's, uh, the beer that you get after you make that film mm -hmm. where you're going to meet your next DP or your next producer. I mean, you never know. And so I think it's just, it's being open-minded. It's going out there and, you know, trying, trying to be more altruistic in what you're doing. And mm. I think that's what's tough is I think a lot of people say, because it is Instagram culture, it's, you know, what's going to look good now. We live in a 24 hour news cycle, you know, everything needs to pop right away. And I think the long-term investment in people, the long-term investment in yourself, the long-term investment in the community you find yourself in and building that up over months, days, years, whatever, that is most valuable. And I think, again, not getting lost in the sauce, not saying, you know, I have to get the engagement, market your stuff. No one's saying not do that. But I think I had to learn that it's not about finding a huge buzz every day, but seeing something that is, you know, goal oriented, you know, and measured over an extended period of time. So that's perfect, man. Couldn't say it better myself. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate you coming on, man. We uh, could obviously talk for fun. like hours. Yeah, I, I want to pick <laughs> and, your brain about raise up. And I, I want to yeah. some more, but uh, yeah. we'll do it again, man. Um, absolutely. But that's exactly. I mean, you hit so many great points. So I yeah. appreciate oh, you, man. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, it's awesome. My name is Rain Bennett. Thanks for listening. And join us next time on the Storytelling Lab. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.